Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Works For Us, where we talk to people about what works for them in their relationships and, of course, what doesn't. Okay, so today in Works For Us, we have a true Renaissance woman in our midst. Naz Perez established herself as a primo television producer for years, cutting her teeth on Ellen and E! True Hollywood Story, and moving on to ABC's The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise, just to name a few. From there, she transitioned into being in front of the camera as a host for Rotten Tomatoes, Fandango, Los Angeles Dodgers, T-Mobile, and the I Don't Get It podcast. She is also a red carpet correspondent for E! and was just doing her thing at the SAG Awards last night. In recent years, Naz has started an entirely new and revolutionary endeavor called Heartbroken Anonymous, a one-of-a-kind support group for people who are struggling with heartbreak. We know hundreds, or I do. And in the weeks following Valentine's Day, it feels like the perfect time to discuss heartbreak and how to get through it with someone who has really dedicated themselves to that cause. Welcome to Works For Us. I'm so happy to have you. This is so major for me. I, you are, you are everything. Like I, you've influenced so much of my love for fashion and, and why, because, you know, people roll their eyes, right? And I think what was so funny about me covering SAG last night and what I loved about the show is that everyone was so unapologetically an actor. They're like, you know what? I love being an actor. I love being a storyteller. Right. And as people who put art into the world like you, Rachel, and you don't have, I mean, you're doing your other businesses, right? But in in so much of your creative work, you kind of do have to rely on external validation in a little way sure. as a barometer, sure. right? Do people like what I'm sure. doing? And so you are someone whose art has really touched me and has influenced me. And um, I just Thank wanted you to know you. that because I think sometimes we don't hear that necessarily. And people think all that stuff's really silly, but I don't, I don't think that. I think expression of the self is like the fucking best and the reason why we're here and why leave your house like wearing something lame when you can feel <laughs> when you can look and feel fabulous. You know what I mean? You're the sweetest. And I say that as I'm wearing like a big ass t-shirt. Oh, stop. You look so cute. You're so pretty. It actually doesn't matter. Oh, thanks. But well, I do believe that. Nice. And I also think that in the world that we're in right now, I think, you know, it's funny. The first thing people say when I meet them, whether it's on Zoom or in person, someone I know, I don't know, someone I've never met before. First thing they say, don't look at what I'm wearing right now. I didn't have time to like, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. I just left my son's game. I never look like, and I'm like, I swear to God, I didn't even notice. Like I don't. So I I weirdly freakishly (laughs) like, I don't judge people and I don't, it's one thing when it's my job and they're saying like, please help me like transform me or whatever. That's a different thing, but that's a collaborative, um, like endeavor, you know, that's like, what I'm hired to do. But I think the difference is, especially in the world, in the iteration of life now, it's sort of like, I really think the most important thing for people is emotional happiness and sort of what do you, what you wear is a reflection of how you feel. And I think that for me, I find that spending that extra like five or 10 minutes to like put concealer on or just put a cute little black sweater on rather than whatever so that you feel a little more like you or a little bit more like you can put a, a different self out there or a more confident self, then it helps you that way. But I think other than that, like you're feeling your strongest self in a t-shirt, like Godspeed. Like that's, you know what I mean? And also you had a big one last night. So like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you should. No, I feel most And you look gorgeous. You look dewy. Thank you. You're so kind. Thanks. I, uh, no, I feel most comfortable in tube socks, sweatpants, and a big t-shirt. Then that but should be. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. It's like, even look at superheroes. Like if it was all just like, why do superheroes have good aesthetic? It's true. Like why do they wear a cape and That's all this true. stuff? It's like, it leans into the performance, right? It leans into the confidence. Like Batman is just, he's fashionable as fuck. He is. <laughs> like, and if it was just for utility, they would be wearing like Amazon clothes. And so, true yeah. story that I've never shared with anybody except, you know, you're way too young. But when I was little, there was something called underoos. And you got to like wear your different like superheroes. Obviously, I chose Wonder Woman only. Um, but 
I used to take my mom's bracelets, her big gold cuffs, and I would put them on with my Wonder Woman underoos and um, because it made me feel powerful. And so- Wait, that's incredible. Wait, what are underoos? So, underwear? So they're underoos and they're meant to be like underwear. You could like sleep in them, but they came in little like- like sets. So when you're a little kid, you could wear like Batman underoos or Superman or Wonder Woman or this character or that character. And I only ever chose Wonder Woman because she was the be all end all. And Wait, that is so <laughs> sick. We need to bring that back. Yeah. Like for people's inner confidence. It's true. Just put like, on your underoos. Yeah. And also I just picture myself like being like hanging out with a guy and then undressing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Just like getting a laugh out of like, oh yeah, these are my underwears. This is like what gives me confidence. I wonder like how funny would that be? That would be hilarious. It's true. And then, and then I started to take my mom's like real gold jewelry and cuffs and just wear them with my underwears and run around the house. And so when I was like old enough to actually get my own jewelry, I would buy, I, I like collect gold cuffs. And I remember my first book, when I was doing an interview, they said, why do you always wear big gold bracelets? I said, because it's my armor. It makes me feel powerful. Wait, that just <laughs> gave me chills. That honestly just gave me chills because Rachel, I cover a lot of comic book stuff because I also host for Rotten Tomatoes. And so, and I geek out on it. I, I love comic book genre stuff. And I too, one day, my stylist, Taylor Arrear, who's amazing, one day we he put me in two gold bangles. Uh -huh here. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel like Wonder Woman. And it oddly did make me yes. feel powerful. So, so yeah, fashion is so important. It is. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. It affects how you feel. And I think certainly when you go into the outside world, it really does have a, a big impact. And I also, I don't want to hijack this, but, um, <laughs> I, I, know away. <laughs> I, know, I know that you studied, uh, psychology and sociology. Yep. Um, and, I I don't know if a lot of people know that about you or remember that. And um, I that's why I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because <laughs> I know that you have an interest in that. I do. And I think a lot of that has to do with why we get heartbroken, you know? Well, it definitely does. And I think it's funny because people are like, wait, you are a psych social major, but you went into fashion. And I'm like, yeah, one would argue I've actually really used this almost every day of my entire career in one way, shape or form. Um you know, it's so, well, first of all, your career is incredible and I have Thank no you. idea how old you are, but you look so young and those teeth are crazy. <laughs> They're so good. Um, oh for those God. of you well, that can't, is... <laughs> no, stop. It's not lighting. It's not lighting. Your teeth are really beautiful. I know that's weird because I don't Thank actually you. say that to people typically, um, but she has really beautiful teeth. So for those of Thank you that you. can't I fully receive that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I am really curious because you have this incredible career, um, obviously working on probably, I don't know, the most cult following shows in, I mean, th there isn't a person that doesn't talk about Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor. I mean, it's like, if you don't, you know, for me, I'm someone that doesn't have a whole lot of a life. I mean, if I'm lucky, I get to watch something at like 1130 at night, but yeah, there isn't a person in my life who doesn't obsess over Bachelor Bachelorette, Bachelor Par I mean, all of it. Um, yeah. But I think, did that have a huge, was that the impetus for you starting um, Heartbroken Anonymous? Because this is genius, honestly. Um, no, really, you. because the, you know, listen, I'm not 25. And I can tell you that I have helped more people in my life through heartbreak um, divorce, heartbreak, cheating, this, that, the other thing. And, you know, listen, I, yes, I've been with Roger for 30 years, but I had my heart torn up in high school. To, I didn't think I could actually ever get through it. And, um, it was like the love of my life, you know, and I ended up breaking up with him. I mean, he ended up breaking my heart he ended up coming back. We ended up getting back together. I ended up breaking his heart. And to this day, he'd probably, if I left Roger, he'd probably <laughs> like, let's get married. So the truth Aww. is, I technically, by definition, won. But it's still, you never, ever forget that feeling. And as a mom of two boys, my little Romeos, I, the girl that wrecks them, I like can't wrap my head around it. Can't like can't wrap my head around what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle that. But I guess what made you want to do this? I'm so curious because it's really 
so um, it's just it's it's just so um, clever and needed. So I'm Thank I'm very you. curious. Yeah. So I was working on I worked on seven consecutive seasons of The Bachelor. And I wanted to be a TV host, but I moved to LA and I just started producing. Like you said, I worked on L&E, Bachelor. And then one day I just left and I was like, I just got to go for it. And I was unemployed. This was around the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Um, Actually was, yeah, beginning of 2017. And I had never had a boyfriend. Um, I'm 32, by the way. Well, 32. You never had a boyfriend. I had never had a boyfriend at this point in my life. And I was 26. And um, I felt like a late bloomer. And I was so fascinated by love, which is why I worked on the show. And it's it's so incredible because, you know, it's like it's the ultimate science experiment to get to interview and talk to people about love and heartbreak. So I'm unemployed. I'm in L.A. And I had barely met my neighbors because we're always traveling on the show. And so I was home like once a month and I had moved into an apartment like two years prior. But I had met one of my neighbors in passing like one or two times. And so I'm home, I'm unemployed, I'm wanting to be a TV host, and I get a knock on my door from my neighbor who's going through a heartbreak, who, like I told you, I'd only met a couple of times. So she was like a relative stranger. And she was like, I need to talk to someone. She was crying. She she lived with someone next door for about like 12 plus years, and they broke up. And she was like, I just need to talk to someone. So I listened to her story. And after she told me her story, Rachel, she was like, I feel so much better talking to you because I can't talk to my mom or my sister about this. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And she's like, yeah, I feel like they're going to tell me to move on or that I'm so much better than him. And I'm not physically ready to hear that right now. And that- Which is so interesting. Right. So that interaction with my neighbor was like, whoa, this concept that we're more willing to tell strangers how we actually feel is such a real thing. And then it kind of went, a light bulb went off in my head. And I'm like, as a producer on The Bachelor, that's kind of how we make the show in a way. Like, because cast members, they come on the show and they're talking to someone, asking them questions about love and feelings that they're never being asked. And they're talking to a stranger. And so for me, a couple months after that interaction, I was like dating this guy. I was on and off with him. It was like very, you know, I ne- it was never exclusive. Sure. Like, I didn't know if we, if we you didn't know where, where it stood, what was going on. Yeah. Like he had a toothbrush at my house, but then some days he wouldn't text back. It was like, you know, and looking back my whole journey is like, I didn't really love myself at that time. But aside from that, six months of that sort of rendezvous, he blindsided me and I was gutted, Rachel, because I had never felt heartbreak for myself. It was it was almost like I was feeling a middle school heartbreak at the age of like twenty seven. Uh-huh. You know what I you mean? You felt what I and felt at sixteen. I like my whole exactly. my whole the ceiling fell. Exactly. And so I I was destitute and I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. And again, you know, I was unemployed. So I think also a part of it was like I was I was, um, you know, relying on my sense of worth and my happiness and like what job I had. And I was this bachelor producer. And now all of a sudden I was just like this unemployed person that wanted to be on camera. And so I started going to therapy. Like most of L.A., by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not weird. Exactly. Not weird in LA. <laughs> not weird at all. And so I started going to therapy and I'm I'm Dominican. Um, you know, I was born here in the States, but my parents like, you know, they don't they like don't believe in of that course. stuff. Um so for me I was like, You'll okay, be fine. I'll try You'll this, be fine. I'll be try fine. this like rich white people thing. Right? And I'm from Boca Raton, which is like predominantly Jewish. Oh, I, so I know my it well. Friends, my parents live yeah. there. Exactly. I first of all, by the way, like I just want to throw this out there. I I just I love Jewish people so much. I want to I want to marry a Jewish man. I don't know if they want to marry me, but every time I'm at a party, I'm always like Baruch Atah Denai Alon Hainu. Like it's somewhat of a party trick, maybe borderline. Can I tell you sidebar real quick? After my wedding, all my non-Jewish friends vowed to marry Jewish men because they said it is so um, much more fun. Jewish weddings are so fun. A hundred percent. You get thrown up in the chair. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Break the glass. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Count me in. It's a whole thing. Anyways, so I started going to therapy and therapy is like, you know, 175, 200 a session. And I was like, who has $800 a month to feel better? Like I was just going on days. It was really bad. (laughs) And then I literally on the other days, Rachel, I was Googling how can I make this feeling go away? Because I just felt like hostage by it. And I came across all this research that states that the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through physical pain is the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through emotional pain. And I was like, what? Like, 
This could feel like a gut to the stomach. How is no one talking about this? Why is it that I can, you know, stub my toe or get in a car accident, go to the doctors, get a doctor's note, tell my job, hey, I'm out for a couple weeks because I'm physically ill and they're like, fine. But if you are going through something that causes heartbreak, which I wanted to talk to you about because my whole thing too is really breaking what the definition of heartbreak is. So if you Google the definition of heartbreak, it's actually overwhelming distress. It's not solely romantic. And I hate that in America, we think, when we think of heartbreak, we think of a girl in matching pajamas, eating ice cream in her bed, you know, Bridget sobbing, Jones. Watching, you think of Bridget yeah, Jones. Yeah, Bridget Jones, yeah. exactly. Or watching totally. 50 First Dates, yep. a girl getting dumped by a guy. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak is having a miscarriage, getting in a fight with your friend, totally. losing a dog, not your having a Your child home. is ill, your, God forbid. You know what I mean? Your child yeah. is ill. Your child's getting bullied. Yeah. Like there's yeah. so many things yeah. that cause heartbreak that we don't talk about. So I was like, okay, so if I'm physically ill, my job will give me time off. But if I'm going through any type of heartbreak, the list we just went through, which also includes like racial injustice, by the way, and all the stuff going on in the world that you and I were talking about earlier, we just have to wake up the next day and resume life as it's is. True. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. It was asinine. And as a producer, I was like, okay, how cool would it be if there was like a heartbreak hotel, right? Where you would check in. It was like a heartbreak rehab. And there was like Adam Sandler and Drew Barry movies in one room <laughs> and puppies in another room and like a bunch of soft serve <laughs> in a third room. Yes. And then you would just come out when you're feeling better. And then I realized what is the real life version of this? And so this is like long story long to answer your question. No, no, no. It's really want- helpful, actually. Thanks. It was like, what made me want to start this? It was one, my experience with that neighbor coming over, realizing that we're more willing to tell strangers how we actually feel. Two, realizing my bachelor background, how like that is a safe space and how a lot of us, when we're going through raw heartbreak, wanna, we just want the space to feel. Of course. You know, sometimes we're not, we all want to heal. Well, not everyone, but most people want to heal. But sometimes we're not like ready for that right away yet. So I was like, how can I create this safe space? And I was going through it on my own. And you know how they say um, necessity is a mother of all invention. And so for me, I needed somewhere to go because also my friends were sick of hearing it. And on top of that, I just want to give a shout out to every person in the world listening to this right now that deals with unrequited love heartbreak, which doesn't get taken seriously. I totally agree. And it bums me out. Some people are like, oh, I went on a date with this person a couple of times and they're distraught. And they're like, oh, Susan, get over it. Like you met him for three days. And I just think... Who am I to tell Susan how to feel? It's about true, this guy? but it's a fine like, line because it is a fine because line. I've recently, I recently, it's funny, it's it's so interesting that you're saying this because there's something that I read and I ended up posting it because it really took me, and I can't remember who posted it, um, but it's something called toxic positivity. Okay. And I was shook from it because, because I've been with Roger for literally my entire adult life. I still remember that pain. I still remember that teenage pain. I do. I remember it. And it was like nothing I ever felt in my life because I was the one, I had a lot of boyfriends. I went to six proms. I like, I loved boys and I was very busy before I met Roger, which is, I think, why I was really ready to be. I I actually wasn't even ready. I was so anxious going down the aisle. I was like, my mom was like, listen, if it doesn't work, you can always get out. I was like, okay, let's do this. Now (laughs) I know, literally, now that I knew there was an option to like leave, if I was like, oh my God, just kidding. I didn't want to do this. Um, Yeah. Run run away, Brian. I loved dating. I loved boys. I loved love. I've always loved love. I have always loved it. Um, But I would say to that, that it's a very surreal thing, um, that feeling, because when I read toxic, what toxic positivity is, it's when you're really going through that heartbreak. And you mentioned something earlier that some people are like, oh, you're better than him. You didn't need that anyway. Oh, you'll be fine. Oh, just wait till the next one. Oh, la, la, la. And really in that moment, that person in pain kind of wants empathy rather than, oh, you're so much better than this. Oh my God, you're going to be, wait till you meet the next guy. Oh my God, are you kidding me? He so doesn't deserve you. That actually can be very toxic because it, it it's almost tricking that person a little bit. And what they actually want to hear is, okay, I know that this really, really sucks right now. And it's going to be really hard for the next whatever, but I'm here for it. And like, da, da, da. it's more like being an ally 
rather than being a, you don't need them or you're better or you're perfect. What are they thinking? Like, apparently there is a laundry list of things that, you know, what I was saying is that like, because I've seen so much and I've been through so many relationships with my friends, with my sister has been a single mom. Now she is in a relationship, but like for so long and I've been through countless divorces with people in my life. I actually feel like I've been divorced like five times because it's because I feel so deeply for the people who have gone through it that you kind of feel like you've been through it. But but what I realized is that there really is a guidebook of what not to say and things that as human beings might be, I know they were mine, instinctual to say to somebody. And you think that you're being this cheerleader and this like advocate and this like, you know, this savior with like positive things to say, like, but ultimately it can really be hurting them, like not helping. And I think that's why sometimes to your point, therapy can be helpful. You know, it can be, but I think, I think to your point to have a place to go, um, like this is is just incredible because I do think that having people experiencing something, it goes back to the like beginning of like, what's a support group, right? And just yeah. kind of having like-minded or people just experiencing something like what you're going through, because it's very hard sometimes to get advice from people who seemingly don't really understand what you're going through right? I could not like everything you said. Yes, yes, yes. And I couldn't agree more. I think that's why I wanted to create a space where people can feel seen, heard and validated. And it's not like our friends and family aren't great. Like some of us have great support. And sometimes we need to hear that. And also this isn't also heartbroken anonymous isn't a 12 step program like an (laughs) AA or Al-Anon, but I went to those to do research on how to do a support group, but I I'm not certified in anything. Me neither. This is literally just (laughs) a space, right? Like this is just a space where you can come listen and share stories of heartbreak. Sharing isn't um, required, but it's encouraged. And just to remind yourself, you're not alone because so many people are lonely, Rachel. We're in this epidemic of loneliness and people feel shame to admit it. And I think under heartbreak and violence and depression is loneliness. So yeah, this is, um, that's what Heartbroken Anonymous is. It's just to feel safe and to feel validated and seen and heard. And I tell people all the time because people are always like, well, how, how can you help people get over a heartbreak? And I'm like, I am not in the, in the fixing business. I am in the relief business. I think that every human on earth wants relief. And so when you are feeling that rawness, I mean, literally it's the reason why when I broke up, when my ex and I broke up last year, I literally for a month, Rachel, kid you not, every night would Google how to get a Taurus man back because I'm obsessed with astrology. I literally would do it every night. And I, and I, but like, and by the I way, so that's challenging. I'm a Virgo and even we can't get Taurus men back. Cause let me tell you something. Taurus men are no joke. They're, they're no, no they're joke, no but they're joke. so romantic they are. and sensual and hot they as are. fuck. It's the yep, worst. Just like Aries, same shit. Uh, I'm an Aries. Are you? My oh, older son yes. is an Aries. I love oh, Aries because I'm a Virgo, but you guys can be tough. Yeah, no, it's hard. Where it's a very, it's hard for women to be Aries too because it's a highly masculine sign. Which it is. I can talk about for hours, but yeah, like you, I was googling that for a month, and I looked back, and I'm like, you know, coming out of it, right? Can you and look back, like, going, "Are you okay now?" Exactly. I was like, "What was that? Like, what was under that?" And I was like, "Oh, I wanted to feel relief. I just wanted in that moment to know that you know maybe." something, something was going to happen or maybe we'd get back together. And yes, of course, that's not like a great place to be all the time. But the one requirement for membership in Heartbroken Anonymous is to have hope. And to me, that definition is hope is a faith that good can be derived from painful situations and lead to personal growth. And I love heartbreak now, Rachel. I love it. I love contrast. Every bad thing that happens to me in my life, I just picture my heart breaking open because it's just teaching me a lot of what I do want. Whenever something happens, I'm like, oh, my body's just telling me I don't want this anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And it's just adding to this big bucket of things I do want for myself in my life. And so I'm someone that 
I just champion feeling it. Like, I don't think heartbreak's an enemy. I think it's our friend. I think it can help us grow. I think we need it to feel happy. And when it's really bad and raw, I just don't want people to feel like they're alone. I want them to feel like they can go either to one of our meetings on Zoom or in person in LA and just say whatever it is the hell you're feeling. Like these meetings, Rachel, or people come and say things that they've never said out loud. There was this one woman... I did a pop-up in another state one time and she came and she said, I'm going through a divorce and everybody in this room, you are the first people to know that I was ever married because everyone in my life told me not to marry this person because they were just using me for a green card. We married for two years. Turns out they were right. But now this woman, Rachel, was grieving a divorce and no one in her life even knew she couldn't tell anyone. It's like, can you imagine? Can you imagine holding that in? So it was incredible for her. So it's my job as a stylist to make sure that my clients make a a jaw-dropping impression when they enter a room. Everyone knows that first impressions are absolutely everything. And I'm here to tell you that they definitely are. So if you're looking to make an impact with your online content, believe me when I say that you need issue. The easiest way to make your creative ideas come to life and share everywhere you want to be seen. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to lookbooks and catalogs and so much more. There's no need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your creative in an easy-to-view way on every device. Make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use like Canva, Dropbox, and InDesign. Basically, if you want your content to stand out and you know that you do, you need to be using Issue. And you can start using it for free. That's right, free. Get started with Issue today for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code ZOE. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code ZOE at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code ZOE. Strangers are unbiased. When you talk to your mom and you talk to your sister and you talk to like your family, they're biased. They can't help it. They are biased. And their whole mission is to make you feel better. Whereas in a situation like this, you're telling total strangers that may or may not, you know, respond, you know, in the way that you prefer or don't prefer. But I think at the end of the day, I think people coming into a safe space in an unbiased environment, that's why people turn to therapy, right? Because it's unbiased, right? And I think in this situation, it's so brilliant. And I think in the pandemic, I mean, I think it's no secret that it's the highest degree of mental, like mental health is at an all time low right now. And it is the absolute saddest thing. And I think to your earlier point about this physical and emotional response literally being equal, you know, they're so intertwined. And I do think that, you know, I know us in our company, like there's personal days, there's this and that. And a lot of companies have that, but we're so close in my company that like, if someone's going through something, it's like you, to me, especially over the last two years, there is literally nothing more important than people's emotional health. It's more important than literally anything. It is. And I think as a parent, you know, it's like what you're doing is actually pretty groundbreaking. And I say that in all honesty, because I think that creating a safe space for people going through whatever heartbreak it is and heartbreak, not just being relationships, right? And heartbreak really being just feeling gutted. And it could be from anything. And I think people feel gutted about so many different things to your point. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I I think unofficially you would be a psychiatrist right now, I would say, considering working (laughs) on The Bachelor. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's really, um, it's really intense. I mean, are you finding that more people like in and around this time, like Valentine's Day and things like that? Are you finding it like how many people come into these like meetings, so to speak? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Thanks for that. Um, I don't like to let in more than 20 people in a meeting because I, I don't time people like you would be timed in an AA meeting and, but you know, everyone gets about four minutes to share if you do want to share. Um, and you gain a lot of benefits from just coming and listening because you're doing something nice for someone else. And there's a lot of science behind, you know, when you feel like you matter to someone else, it makes you feel good. So to me, it's like, sort of that double boost of like, you don't even realize how good this is making you feel at least for an hour, you know, in your heartbreak. So yeah, I don't let in more than um, 20 people just to keep it. Yeah. To keep it intimate. And then you asked me another thing. I forgot um, what it was. Do you find that around certain holidays? It's Oh yes. Yes. It's so I, it is my mission to always have a meeting either on a holiday or very close to a holiday. Um, holidays are really hard for people. And I, and I think why I'm so grateful for the heartbreak that sort of sparked Heartbroken Anonymous is because it happened two days before Valentine's Day. And I remember how, like, and we laugh when we watch rom-coms, you know, when like the person's broken up and they see like, you know, a couple making yeah, out at the park. But like that feeling is actually so shitty when oh like my God. got dumped or whatever it is, you know? And some some people are dealing with the loss of, of a child, you know, and it's their, or it's their first Christmas without their mom. And all of this stuff is so heartbreaking. And so, yeah, for me, I do find a lot of people come on holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, and especially, especially Valentine's Day. That's crazy. It's so insane. And I think, I mean, it's, uh, I've, I've, I've so many questions, but I have, (laughs) well, I think, you know, I do think to your earlier point, that I have a really big theory about life in general, and maybe it has to do with being a psych major, but I think it's more of being a life major. I think it's really just, and I have learned this firsthand, that very often life makes decisions for you that you couldn't have or wouldn't have made for yourself. So, you know, like when you got your heart broken, it might've been like, seriously, why? Like this was like my first relationship, like, and now this is, this is because I know people that actually have a wall up to prevent that from happening because they don't want to fall in love right. because they don't want to get hurt. And so yeah. I think that there's this, um, people are trying to find their balance. Right. But I do think that any decision, any heartbreak, any really tough thing in your life, in my case, whether it's professional, personal, it forced me to make a really big change that ended up being the best thing ever and something that in, it always is always but you don't know that in the moment and so never, i never. think it's really you know it's funny because i have a lot of like younger people that work with me and they kind of become like my little sisters or my kids and i watch over them and i i can see just because of what I know and what I've seen, I can just kind of see like life sort of happening. Like, don't do this, don't do that, you know? And mm-hmm, it's like so hard. Mm-hmm, I'm like, don't do mm-hmm. this. I promise that, you know, but ultimately people have to learn for themselves a lot. Yeah, and I think yeah. what happens is it makes you tougher. It makes you smarter. It makes you stronger. Life happening to you is like the most important thing. Now you can shift that. You can drive it in a million different directions. But I do think that certain things have to happen to you firsthand in order to make a change. And I think you started this because of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's what's so funny about you saying that, because this is me dipping into more of my spiritual side and not as the founder of Heartbroken Anonymous, because again, I don't give advice or anything. But for me as Naz personally, there's a man named Peter Crone who I love listening to. Um, He's like my Tony Robbins. And he has this line where he says, life will present you with people and circumstances to show you where you're not free. And for me personally, I I had to wake up one day and I had to say, why is every guy that I'm into emotionally unavailable? And then, you know, you do the inner work and I had an emotionally unavailable parent. And so that feeling was very familiar to me. And so I had to wake up. And you end up seeking it. You end up looking for it. How crazy is that? Yes. Because it's so familiar to me, you know, I'm like, oh, this is what love was to me 
growing up in a, in a sense. Um, and it's also not my parents' fault. It's, no, it's, not, it's nobody's it's just, fault. It's it just how is. people are programmed. It's no one's fault. And so you make this shift when you turn into becoming a conscious person where, you know, life is working for you, just like you said, not against you. Um, again, Heartbroken Anonymous isn't a place where like I preach this. It's just simply like I, I get that it's really freaking hard in moments and sometimes there's nowhere to go. And sometimes you do feel like you're just, helpless out there. And I just want people to know that they're not. And all of us are feeling the same way. Truly, genuinely, we're all so similar. And I also, you said something else that sparked my, what was I going to say? I think, I, I think I wanted to share that I, that there's a lot of shame in just feeling what it is you actually feel in general in life. And I think because you're a mother, I'll never forget a mom came to a meeting and she shared that her child had Down syndrome and that she drops her child off at the playground and she always sees all the other kids playing and then she sees her child alone and it breaks her heart and she cries in her car every time she sees this because she thinks it's so unfair that her child, um, sorry, it was autism, I think. She was so unfair that my child is autistic, but she couldn't, she felt guilty telling her husband that. Right. And I'm like, man, right. like how much stuff are we carrying, Rachel, as humans? We're like, when did it become like not okay to just say what it is that you're feeling and, and that be okay in that moment, not defining you forever, but being okay in that moment. And and it is so rare these days to have a space where you can actually say how you feel. I totally agree. And I also think like coming from your background, it's very you know, it's so impressive, honestly, because I'm looking at your whole career at the young age of what, 32? And I'm very mm -hmm. impressed. Yeah. Well, not yet. Next month. Yes. I hate you. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. I love um, but the thing is, is that what you've created is brilliant. I think what you've actually built in your career and making that transition from being behind to then being in front, um, it's interesting that you left a trajectory. What was it? How many years were you working on The Bachelors? All of them. Two and a okay, half. Okay, so two, and, two and, and a half. And you came yeah. off that, which is insane, by the way. Anyone who's ever like production and all that. I mean, <laughs> I've been on the yeah. other side of it and it's just crazy. But I think that's a crazy life. And then moving on from that to then go to the other side and you're like, I want to be a host. Okay, wait, I have no money. Okay, wait, I have no boyfriend. Okay, wait, da, da, da. okay wait, my heart just got crushed. Wait, I want to create a place where people can you know, express their thoughts, feel like it's safe, talk about their pain, not just breakups, but like everything ups. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so, Oh, I love that. Everything, <laughs> everything. Ups. Ups. That was so cool. And so I think like, <laughs> first of all, transitioning your career is one big, huge hurdle. Right. And then I think doing all these different things, you're, you're hosting in so many different, you know, arenas, which is so impressive also, because for those of you that don't know, like I've done hosting. Hosting's not an easy thing. Like it looks really fun and it is fun. And you got to like talk to people, da, da, da. but it's also very intricate, very technical and very like uh, timed and very like you, you get caught off guard. You don't know what people's reactions are going to be. So it, there is a, a gift to hosting. I do want to say that. And that, I mean, listen, Ryan Seacrest, um, it really, it really is um, a gift. But then I think for you to do this as well, just sort of is, is very impressive because I think it's something very needed, especially in this time. And I have a lot of friends that would really benefit from it. And I think it is important to talk about things like toxic positivity and things that things that we seemingly as humans think are healing that may not necessarily be, they might be. Um, but I think, you know, how do you, I guess, and if you don't overthink your future, I definitely don't. I don't even know what I'm doing Monday, <laughs> but I mean, uh -huh. um, what, like, what's the dream for you? Like, so, cause you have your hands in a lot of things. So where, where's your head at now? Like, where do you see yourself in the next two years, five years, 20 years, or, or none of the above? Cause you can oh, say, I, I have no that. idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> and that's okay. Right. No, I just want to say, thank you so much for that question. And for everything you said, I'm really personally working on taking compliments I can't do that uh, still. I think I can't do that. Isn't it? But isn't it funny? Because really quick, I'm going to go off on a tangent, Rachel, because I'm curious. I will answer the question, but 
when I compliment a friend and they're like, oh, no, no. And then they try and compliment me back. It actually makes me feel shitty. It's like, I, am I allowed to curse? Sorry. I've always. Been so foul always. Okay. I'm There's always no like, filter on my podcast. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always like, fuck you. Take the gift. Yeah, right. Sure. And so I'm like, ew, I do that all the time. Like when people are like, you look great. I'm like, oh, I'm just wearing jeans and I felt gross, but you're the best. I'm like, ew, this is like, I just it's a defense. disgusting behavior. It's disgusting behavior and I'm over it. And I just want to say everything you said, I fully receive and it made me feel really good. And thank you. Cause Rachel Zoe just fucking <laughs> knows who I am. And that's really cool. And I'm proud of myself. Um, and hosting is really it hard. It is really hard. And, and as like a recovering perfectionist, I think I laugh at God or the universe or, you know, a Care Bear or whatever the hell it is you believe in. I laugh that like that is sort of been my trajectory because all my triggers come up in hosting, whether it's like how I look in a dress, what I'm saying, my words coming out. So it's been an incredible teacher of life. And that's what I look at it as. Like I, I'm learning more about me and, and being more Naz. But as far as my dream goes, it's so funny. That should be your I, Instagram handle, by the way. Being what? more Naz. Oh, I like that. Okay. Being more Naz as told by Rachel. Yeah, it should be. I swear. <laughs> because that should be at your beautiful young age, having accomplished so much. It should, it should almost be, that should be like how you do life now. Thanks. Also, but you're beautiful and young <laughs> and I hope you feel that way. We should all Can't feel like young. Can't receive it. Can't receive it, but I love you. <laughs> try, try it. <laughs> Just try it once. Just say, thank you. That makes you feel good. And you'll start feeling really good by it because you look fire. Um, no, you're the hottest. You're the sweetest. No, really. What is my dream? I, it's so funny because I think what, after I started Heartbroken Anonymous, I started getting calls about people that wanted to make it into a show and a podcast. And I, I think I'd love for that to happen one day for sure. But I was like, oh, this is the one thing in my life that I didn't start for TV. I started just for life. To actually help people me. and help yourself. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget the day before or two days leading up to the first meeting I ever had, because I didn't have money to advertise. So I text everyone that I produced on The Bachelor, all the cast members with like their following. And I was like, hey, can you post that? I'm like starting this heartbroken anonymous group. And I, and then an article in Cosmo came out that was like former bachelor producer oh. starting. And I was like, this is the worst. As someone who's a perfectionist, I woke up the day of Rachel and I was like, why did I do this? This is mortifying. This is embarrassing. I'm not trained. Like what's going to happen? What if nobody comes? Everyone's going to call me and ask me how many people came. And I, the first meeting happened and 12 people came. And the, those people were all, like, it gives me goosebumps. They were black, white, Spanish, gay, 15, a 50 year old, someone struggling with alcohol saying like, this is helping me fix the reason why I'm drinking, you know, and I, I was so like verklempt where there was a part oh of Oh my me. God, you just said a Yiddish word. I love it. My my <laughs> mom would be so proud right now. I'm so verklempt. <laughs> what up, mom? Um, literally, I think I was looking to the sky, Rachel, and I think that there was, a, I'm not even gonna lie, I think there was a part of me that was like, I kind of hope this doesn't work out because like then I can say, I tried, like see universe, I tried to right, do right, it, right, but like right. it didn't work. But it was so transformative. And I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I just have to. Even if I don't want to, I have to. This is so needed. And even if I never become the next Oprah, the next David Letterman, um, I really love interviewing people. I love connecting. I've, I have no interest in like being famous or any of that. I, I think the reason why I love doing what I do is because I love when source speaks through me and I can break something down like the Batman movie and tell someone why it's so cool. Even if you're not into Batman, I think I just like people feeling like they belong or giving them a fun, fun fact or some piece of information that maybe makes them feel cool when they go to a party. And so I love interviewing. So I want to be a master interviewer and that's why I love doing what I do. Um, and just, and just making people smile in general. But I think, Heartbroken Anonymous being worldwide is really the ultimate dream. And I think my real purpose, I think, even if all the on-camera stuff went away. No, it's so interesting. It's like, if you asked me why I started in fashion, it was because I actually just really, 
I didn't know I could make a career in fashion. And I actually, the reason I majored in psychology and sociology was because I wanted to actually just talk to people and interview them and get into their minds. And that was my obsession. And then when I set out to do the Rachel Zoe project, it was actually to try and be, you're too young, but this woman, Elsa Clinch, who did CNN Style, who was interviewing like John Galliano and Karl Lagerfeld and Johnny Versace. And I was obsessed with like learning about them and getting into their heads and all that stuff. And then somehow that turned into the Rachel Zoe project, but you know, and look at what you're doing now. Do you have, do you have, I don't want to hijack this, but do you have dreams that you still, are there things that like you're still interested in want to do? Cause I, I think we're so complex and I'm, you are such a, you are a Renaissance woman. You're someone I look up to. You have so many talents outside of fashion for me. Like I want to host a nature show there. I think it's really, oh, my, kid, my kids be- can guest star with you a nature show. They can. Oh my God. They, I would love that. They Have you seen wild Kratz? I, you should watch wild Kratz because yes, that, yes. That, no, so, I love it. They, they, they will but go on a nature. It, but kids love nature and we don't as adults and there's no women in the ma- nature. And I'm like, women are so in tuned with mother earth and traveling. Women do the most traveling in the world. Why is every nature and travel show a male host? Do I need you know to answer I mean? that so, question? Do I need to answer that question? <laughs> no, but I ask that because <laughs> I want to know what's something about you that maybe we don't know, you know, what's a part of you that you're really interested in? You know, it's funny. Exploring. The truth is, is that there's never really been one part of my life that I planned. And I think for me, it's that's why I'm always very hesitant to ask the where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years, because I don't like if you asked me a year ago, all the things that I would that I've really sunk my hands and and teeth into this year that are now affecting the next five years, I wouldn't have known it. I wouldn't have thought it. I wouldn't have planned it. And I have found for me, planning can really be an enemy because if you plan things and you dream these things that are like, oh, in five years, I want to be here. And if I'm not there, you set yourself up for letdown. And life, in my experience, the more you plan it, the less it goes according to plan. And so my, you know, my parents have an expression that we've said in my family since I was a kid, which is, best laid plans, right? No matter how you plan, it's never, I've literally, I can't explain to you how many times my life has not gone to plan, no matter what it is, whether it's a trip, it's a, a day, it's a dinner, okay, we ch- it doesn't matter. So I I try to really just go with what I'm really craving and feeling and I get over things, right? And I start to feel um, not challenged, right? But I will say this, and I don't want to say it in a in a martyring type of way at all. But I will say, you know, becoming a mom, I've I've always had a big like urge need. Even when I was twenty three, and I was starting out as a stylist, and you know, I just remember, you know, watching there was some big crisis. It wasn't nine eleven. It was something even prior to that. But there were certain celebrities that were doing a lot. Um, and and ultimately, I remember saying to Roger, imagine having the power and the voice to make a change and help massive amounts of people. And he was an investment banker and I was a stylist pasting receipts to paper to do my expenses. And I was like, but I don't understand why people wouldn't use their voice and their and their like influence to to do those things. Like if they're if they have the power over this many people to do X, then why wouldn't they? do it to sort of help the situation that's happening. And when I became more well-known and had a voice and then social media came out, I couldn't imagine not using my voice and my platform for good and to try and help. And again, not for any rewards, awards, nothing. Like, I don't care. It's more just what we started talking about when we got on. I'm finding it very difficult to go back to my business as usual right now when we're watching what's going on in the world and something that like, you know, my grandparents went through and millions of people's grandparents and parents have gone through, you know, in 1945, right? So I think that like, sometimes that's, it's something that is polarizing for me sometimes in a way. And I think when you become a parent, at least for me, it goes even tenfold. How can I help every child that needs help in this world? How can I, you know, and you still have to do your day jobs and you still have to do all these things. So I think for me, it's about continuing constantly to do what I love and continuing to 
keep my hands very much in, you know, really trying to help kids, honestly, kids that just need help, you know, Um, because kids are, you know, the most innocent form of life. And ultimately, you know, they need us, they really need us. So I think there's that and, you know, and then just business wise, just having my hands in a lot of different businesses and companies, I'm doing a lot of investing and advising and consulting. And it's just been incredibly fun and powerful. So I'm enjoying that. (laughs) Killing it. You're the best. I love what you said about, first of all, you're just so in flow of life. And you're so right. When you make a plan, even though like I have certain dreams, I think and you I'm should okay have with them. them detour. Yeah, but it's like you're absolutely right. There's infinite possibilities. It's the same if you are, if you have your eyes locked on one guy, you know, it's like, well, who there's a six billion people in the world. Yes. And I read this, I read this quote in this book called Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And I love the quote. And it says, success eliminates as many options as failure. Success eliminates as many options as failure. And I always tell my friends when they're like, when they want to date one guy and I'm like, success, let's say you got that guy, eliminate, like who could you have met months later had you not met him? And so I think your outlook on life is just, it's, it's amazing, Rachel, because you're doing things that light you up. And I'm also trying to tap into that. Like if something feels upstream to me, whether it's getting lunch with a friend or a job that pays a lot of money, but I'm like, is this lighting me up? Like, am I excited about this? And if it's not, I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't care how much money it is. I don't care what it'll do for my ego. I don't care how cool people will think if I do this or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's dating someone or a job or, you know, anything. I'm just like, if this doesn't light me up, I'm not, I'm not into it. And so I loved what you said because it just reminded me of all that. And, um, I think it's incredible that you want to, and are helping people and kids around the world with your platform. And by the way, I am no dating expert, as I say, um, despite Roger and I being together for a hundred years, we are not experts. But what I will say is lady, don't close that dating door until there's a ring on that finger. Because you, I tell this to all my friends, like, of course, if it gets really serious, like, you know, when it's serious, but like, if it's not, that's why it's called dating, you know, it's like date, 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 because you have the rest of your life to be with someone forever. (laughs) A hundred percent. And I think people these days, Rachel just have such a negative energy towards dating. Like so many people are like, LA is so hard. There's no people in LA. And And then my friends in New York say New York. There's men everywhere, (laughs) but there's men everywhere. That's not true. I know. And so I just don't subscribe to this, to this theory and, and this subscription of lack. It's also silly because all of the men in LA have come from other places. 90% of them. So you can't say LA guys. They're not LA guys. (laughs) Yeah. And listen, any major, any major city is hard, but also I think one thing I learned in my heartbreak journey, which Heartbroken Anonymous helped with just listening because I've sat in almost every meeting and now I'm starting to bring on ambassadors, you know, because I want it to grow. Thanks. Um, And so for me, what I realized listening to other people's stories, because the really cool magical thing that happens is you listen to people's stories in situations you've never, never been in. And you're like, whoa, I felt that way. I felt that way. I felt that way. It is the coolest thing ever. And what I realized hearing all those stories is that I was so resistant to my life, Rachel. I was so resistant. I was like, all my friends are married. Uh, All my friends are boyfriends. My friends are getting dogs. And then I was like, what are you you doing? I was like, your life is fabulous. I have my dream job. Like why? I don't even care to have kids tomorrow. So why am I getting upset over something? And so once I let go of all that resistance, like like exactly what you were saying, I just let life happen. Let it happen. Girl, let it happen. And get excited by it. Get excited by the bad and the good. I think you just, you're so much more at mental daily peace, which is, I think what we all want, inner peace. Sidebar, and I hate to say this, but it's also much more attractive to men. A woman who has (laughs) inner peace and isn't on the mission is ultimately more attractive. But I also think, you know, and before before I go, because I want to let you go, is that social media has had such a positive, negative impact on relationships, friendships, and everything else. And I think in so many ways, 
I've I've honestly witnessed the most beautiful love stories and friendships happen because of social media and that ability to connect, especially over a pandemic. But it's also very damaging. And there's a constant FOMO and there's a constant like, her life's better than mine. Why does she get to meet this guy? Why does she have a perfect baby? Why do la, 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 la? Why does she get three puppies and I have none? You know, there's just a million and one things that can be damaging when you're not feeling great about yourself. And so... I think it's important that we recognize, and I'm sure you talk about um, in in Heartbroken Anonymous that, you know, I think social media is a bit of an optical illusion most of the time. And I think that it's important that we let ourselves feel and, you know, I, listen, I think it's something that we all need to work on. I don't have a great relationship for, um, my, with myself. That's why I never have downtime because when you have downtime, you just think about yourself. Like, I don't want to do that. So, so <laughs> it's, it's hard, hard. It's hard and you don't really yeah. want to do that. And I think that one thing I will say for sure is that every single girl I know, every single girl I know is struggling with that relationship with themselves. And I think I had, I have a friend who's been single for a while and on Valentine's day, she called me to wish me a happy Valentine's day. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, da, da, da. And like, we sent her flowers and whatever. And she was like, she's like, I'm having a great day. She's like, I worked out. I got myself roses at Whole Foods. I like, da, da, da. She's like, and I'm just having Valentine's day with myself. And I was like, great. And I think that's something that honestly is really attractive to other people, you know? Yes. Do you know what I'm doing after Tell this? Tell me. It's so funny. Hot yoga. This. What? No. So no, I cannot. My yoga pants have never been to yoga. Fun fact. I haven't um, ever been to hot yoga. <laughs> sounds very claustrophobic. I, I like it. Yeah. I'm just, I can't touch my toes and I hate being bad at stuff, but I, um, you so sound the like a Virgo. Museum, you sound like a Virgo. Just yeah. saying. Oh, well, I love, I love that. Um, you see yourself in me. That makes me feel good. <laughs> um, so I, the natural history museum in LA is free three to five. And I, um, <laughs> I now every month, Rachel, take myself out on a date. That's it, the and cutest it's a thing date I've for ever myself. Heard. I just worked the whole weekend. I worked SAGs and I've been dying to see Jane Goodall's exhibit at the Natural History. See, when Museum. you said so this thing about now. nature, I was like, there's Jane Goodall. <laughs> I know, but she, that's what I mean. She never had her own show. And so I'm so fascinated by, you know, the inner species and how we connect with animals. But so I'm going there and then I'm getting McDonald's and I'm getting a McFlurry because Eminem McFlurry is life. And then I'm getting a massage and it's a date with me that I put in my calendar so I wouldn't cancel it. And I do it every month. I have my me date. That is the sweetest, most amazing <laughs> thing. And my only advice to you would be you should take my boys with you next time. They would <laughs> I will, I will. die. I mean, a museum, a museum of natural history and like milkshakes or whatever you called it, McFlurry. That is the living dream for my children right now. But isn't that like so fun? Yes. Like, I think more, more people should take themselves out, yes. you know, and treat yourself. Yeah. That is fantastic. Have the best time. Thanks. And by the way, you can wear Thank what you're you. wearing to this date. I know. That's why I love it even more. And I'll have a mask on. So it's like even less self-conscious. I love it. You have really good hair. Totally unrelated. I um, I have extensions and I wish it was all Oh, well, they look really, really, really good. Thank I'm you. just saying. Thank you. Yeah, but really I do good. have a lot of hair. I just like to feel like Cher too. Thank you. You have incredible hair because that's all your hair. Yeah. No, yeah, but don't we all want to feel like Cher at all times? I do. And you know, it's funny you bring that up because I, I got off birth control and my hair stopped growing. Um, as, yeah, as thick and that. luscious as it used Wait to till be. you have kids, if you have kids. I know every, all my friends are telling me that. And I, I was so, I was so insecure about getting extensions and I was like, you know what? It's like, it's an accessory. Like, why am I getting, I love feeling like Cher. there's maybe 90% of the people, you know, their extensions. Don't I, know, every, I know it's so true. It's so true. You live in I LA, babe, you live in I LA. Know. Don't you worry. No, no one can judge anything here. So I, I think everybody you know, free to be you and me, right? <laughs> I love For it. Real. You were the coolest. Oh, right back. How, so you had fun last night though? I did. I had so much fun. Um, I died. Who was your best dressed? Who was your favorite? Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington's neon yellow. I mean, I think she just, her and La Roach just, always done. And she's always like, even she's like, wasn't even up for an award. She's presenting. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't know, but matter. Carrie just takes it down. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Alex, it's so true, but Alexandra Daddario yeah. from the White Lotus, yes. she was wearing custom Versace. I saw I that. It, 
It fit her so perfectly. She looked like this Grecian goddess. It was unbelievable. Who was your favorite? I loved so many. No, I loved that. I loved Carrie. I loved Kate Blanchett because she can do no wrong in my eyes. And she just, she looked like a sculpture. I just love her. Yeah. Um, And she's worked with Elizabeth Stewart forever. forever. Literally ever. She's always like, I feel like edgy and elegant. And I like her because she'll wear the same dress twice to make a statement. I remember she did that. And I'm like, she's just badass. She's royalty. She's royalty. I'll never forget one time I was at like a fashion dinner. And I think it was like in her honor, I want to say. And I walked by just because I was like on my way to say hi to everybody. And her back was to me. And she turned around and said hi to me. And I was like, (gasps) I like lost my, and I don't get starstruck. I've been working with celebrities my whole career. I don't, but she is like, she's like a queen. She's like, she's just badass. She's fucking awesome. in her deep voice. She's like, she's just awesome. I think she's great. It's funny because, yeah. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. What were we going to say? I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say Meryl's like here. Like if Meryl's the queen, I think Uh, Kate's like the princess, like about to take over that throne. She's Kate Middleton. She's Kate Middleton. She's a chameleon. She's a chameleon in any role. And she's such a good femme fatale. Like she's always like the mistress or like, you know, like the Bond girl. Yes. By the way, speaking of Bond girl, you know who looked literally the best she's ever looked last night? I was blown away. Um, who? Cute little, what's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Oh my God, yes. That dress, the bralette, um, it was... Who, who um, was she wearing? I want to say it was custom Mew Mew, but I might have made that up. Um, I think you're right. I think it was Mew Mew. Yeah, with the, the bralette. The crystal the bralette. Bra. And yeah. then it opened. Oh my God, yeah. She was stunning. I like. I, I was really loving that. And I didn't watch a show. I just like saw Instagram. And typically I would yeah. post the fuck out of it. But I just, like I yeah. said... I like, I couldn't get my head out of the Ukraine. And I just was sort of like, how do I switch now to posting like favorite looks? And I can't, I still can't figure out how I'm going to get back to posting regularly scheduled like fashion content, but. Well, you'll, you'll do it when it, like we were saying, when something lights you up, it'll, you'll feel it in your body. And I think, yeah, you just got to stay true to you in these times, you know? Yeah. It just felt like I was, it was weird. Cause I was like looking at my favorites and then I was like, nope, not ready. Nope, not ready. Yeah. Nope, not ready. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I love talking to you. I'm very excited. I I'm going to tell everyone I know um, about this. It's it's really extraordinary. And I know countless people that, that need it and would really benefit from it. And I know you're not an expert, nor am I. But listen, if we can be expert friends and advice givers, right? Why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or just like a listening ear. A listening yeah, ear. Totally. A listening unbiased ear, I think, is always welcome. Right? I love it. Well, thank you for having me. It honestly, it means the world. Like when when they called me and they were like, Rachel, so I was going to have you on our podcast. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is so major for me. And I can't thank you enough because I don't have money to advertise. And so really getting the word out is the hardest thing is just telling people it exists. So yeah, if you want to come to a Heartbroken Anonymous meeting, go to heartbrokenanonymous.com, sign up for our newsletter. Um, It's about $5 donation to go to the virtual meetings, $10 donation to come in person. But if you can't afford it, you could just email us at info at heartbrokenanonymous.com and you can come for free. So in Incredible. Yeah. And it's available to anybody, right? Anybody. Yeah. Anyone. And what's amazing is in the pandemic, when I pivoted to also offering virtual is now people from all over the world come. There was a woman from Mumbai in a heartbroken anonymous meeting. And I'm like, how did you even find this? And they were like, we Googled it. Like, where do I go oh, when you're heartbroken? God. No, see, there's other yeah. people like you Googling heartbreak. Exactly. But it's cool because you can connect with people from around the world now, which I think is awesome. Seriously incredible. Congratulations. And congratulations on everything and those white teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week, my friend. Okay. Well, that was a very impressive episode. My girl, Naz. Well, first of all, you guys couldn't see her, but she's very beautiful um, and very determined. And I also... I'm very impressed with people that are very candid about their own personal journeys and experiences and, you know, learning from sort of pain or circumstance of their own. And I think having come off producing, working on producing, you know, one of the biggest shows on television um, and then kind of jumping ship and wanting to be on the other side of it, but then simultaneously getting our heart shattered and wanting to start you know, this business um, for people going through heartbreak and heartbreak, 
being not only getting broken up with in a relationship, but really just going through pain um, of any kind, which I think we all go through over and over and over again. And I think to have an unbiased outlet that feels safe to go talk to, I think is, is really nice. Um, I'm very impressed with her. She's very, um, she just has a really nice light around her and, and, um, I loved speaking to her. So that was really fun for me. I hope you guys really loved the episode. If you liked what you've heard so far, please make sure you're subscribed on Apple podcasts and give us a rating and a review. And of course, keep listening. Check us out on our Instagram at atworks.for.us. Also, there's now a Works For Us phone line that you can call in, leave us a message with your very own relationship stories, and we're planning to share our favorites on the podcast. You can also ask us for relationship advice, although I can't stress enough, we're not actual experts, but we'll still take your questions. So if you want to share your story or ask us a question, give us a call at 657-549-2251. That's 657-549-2251. You can also find all of our contact info on our Instagram at works.4.us. I like to leave you with a little highlight and low light from my week um, because in relationships, bad comes with the good and just in life, the bad comes with the good and the good comes with the bad. So this is my time to mention a little bit of both of those things. Um, well, this one is easy um, this week. I had a really lovely four night stay at one of my favorite places at Montage Cabo, San Lucas. It was absolutely heaven to just really do a whole lot of nothing except really enjoy the magical place with my kids and Roger and just have a few days of just checking out and being on the beach and just not thinking about a whole lot um, was just all what we needed. And, um, and then of course the low light of on our last night of leaving Russia invaded the Ukraine and, you know, now we are in witnessing a war and, um, you know, something that just is painfully reminiscent of World War II and this catastrophic behavior of a technically a world leader, but in fact, really doing a horrible job at leadership. But I would say the highlight of that is really watching um, the Ukrainian leader just be heroic in his bravery, his efforts, and really rallying his country to fight for freedom. And I think we should all learn from it and really take the lesson that bullies and monsters really should never be able to get away with what they try to get away with. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and look forward to the next episode of our podcast works for us. Thanks so much. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.